This podcast is part of the Sports History Network, your headquarters for the yesteryear of your favorite sport. You can learn more at sportshistorynetwork.com. Hi, folks. Uh, Welcome to another edition of the Pigskin Past. I'm your host, Joe Zagorski. Today, we're going to talk about a goal line stand in Super Bowl V, how it failed, and then how it succeeded. You know, most football historians who study past Super Bowls will tell you that the greatest goal line stand in Super Bowl history came in the third quarter of Super Bowl XVI. That goal line stand by the San Francisco 49ers did a lot of detrimental harm to the chances of the Cincinnati Bengals to uh, score what would have been a very important touchdown. The 49ers prevailed in a 26-21 win. Now, I happen to agree with most folks that that uh, particular goal line stand in Super Bowl 16 was certainly the greatest one in Super Bowl history. But I'm reminded of the goal line stand in Super Bowl V. And you're probably asking yourself, the goal line stand in Super Bowl V? I don't even remember it. Well, don't feel bad. Uh, most pro football fans and perhaps quite a few pro football historians would be hard-pressed to remember it, too. That could be because it occurred late in the first half in a tight contest between the Baltimore Colts and the Dallas Cowboys in Miami's Orange Bowl Stadium, and quite a lot of people have forgotten it because it didn't really, you know, have a decided point in winning or losing the game for either team. Or did it? You see, Baltimore was trailing Dallas 13-6 late in the second quarter, and they had managed to drive the ball down to the Dallas two-yard line with two minutes left in the first half. Uh, a first and goal just 72 inches away from tying the game, that's if their place kicker Jim O'Brien would make the subsequent conversion, which he failed to do after Baltimore's first touchdown earlier in the second quarter. Back in that era, if you could not gain 72 inches on the ground, then you probably didn't deserve to tie the game. So the Colts went with three straight running plays, each of which were three straight dive smashes into the guts of the doomsday defense. God, I almost felt like John Facenda there for a second. Anyway, the first down Baltimore run was carried by rookie halfback Norm Bulash. So was the second down run. And the third down run. Not a single yard in three rushing attempts was obtained by Bulash. In retrospect, the Colts probably should have attempted a truly short and makeable field goal. But they didn't. Instead, Baltimore quarterback Earl Morrill who was in for the injured Johnny Unitas, decided to fake a handoff to fullback Tom Nowatsky and throw the ball to tight end Tom Mitchell. But the play was doomed to failure when Mitchell tripped coming out of the, off the line of scrimmage. Morrill held the ball for as long as he could, but while he was doing so, Mitchell was stumbling to try to complete his route. Morrill finally had to get rid of the ball, but Mitchell could not reach the area where the ball had descended. The pass fell incomplete, and Dallas achieved a great goal line stand in the Super Bowl. Now, in an interview that I conducted with Earl Morrill back in 2012, while I was writing my first book on the NFL in the 1970s, he told me that he really wished that he could have had that play over. He lobbed the ball to Mitchell, but the tight end just could not get to the prescribed area in time. Eh, Stumbling will do that for you. But this goal line stand would turn out to be to help Baltimore's calls cause. That is because later in the game, they would have another chance to dent the Cowboys' end zone in the fourth quarter. The lessons that their failed tries to score from the Dallas two-yard line in the second quarter 
would not be repeated this time around. Now, in their fourth quarter attempt to score from the Dallas two-yard line, Baltimore fullback Tom Nowatzki would be the ball carrier instead of Bulosh. He had seen Bulosh's failure to score on three straight tries in the second quarter, and he used that as a lesson on what not to do when he got to carry the ball in the fourth quarter. When I interviewed Nowatzki, around the same time that I interviewed Morrill, Nowatzki told me that he had several previous runs earlier in the game where he ran them incorrectly. He also told me that he told Morrill that. He basically confessed to his quarterback that he screwed up. Morrill was willing to run the same exact play twice in a row if he were sold on how the next try would succeed. Nowatzki somehow managed to make his point to Morrill, and lo and behold, Nowatzki plowed into the Dallas end zone on his second attempt at running a dive play off of left tackle. Today, you would almost never see an offense run the same exact play two plays in a row. It would be an anomaly. Nowatzki's touchdown tied the game at 13 apiece, and Baltimore would eventually go on to win the game 16-13, as everybody knows. But the successful goal line stand, as Dallas saw it, or the same failed four attempts for the Colts to score from the Dallas two-yard line in the second quarter would give Baltimore enough lessons on what not to do if they ever got a similar chance again. They did, and pro football history was made. No, it wasn't as famous as the goal line stand in Super Bowl 16, but I know that every member of the Super Bowl V champion Baltimore Colts were fine with that. Thanks again for listening to this edition of the Pigskin Pass. I'm your host, Joe Zagorski. Have a great week. This podcast is part of the Sports History Network, your headquarters for the yesteryear of your favorite sport. You can learn more at sportshistorynetwork.com. Hi, I'm Oz Davis of the True the Goats podcast here at the Sports History Network. I'd like to take a minute to tell you about quite possibly the greatest website of all time, newspapers.com. If you're listening to this podcast or any of them at the Sports History Network, you're probably in sports history. And you probably also know that for learning about anything prior to, say, 1990 online, the typical search engines like are nearly completely useless. But then there's newspapers.com. Newspapers.com gives you access to over 640 million pages worth of news from North America, Britain, Ireland, and more, dating from 1798 to last week. Do up a search for Super Bowl I, the 36th Berlin Olympics, Wayne Gretzky's first game, whatever. Newspapers.com takes you there with historical flavor that search engines like just don't give you. And now, get a free one-week subscription to Newspapers.com by visiting sportshistorynetwork.com slash newspapers. With a paid subscription, you'll also be helping to support the production of this podcast and other Sports History Network shows. That's sportshistorynetwork.com slash newspapers. Newspapers.com. Way better for searches than you know what I'm talking about.